This week on Inside the NRL. Southeast Queensland emerges from lockdown, so the NRL is set to roll on in the Sunshine State. After a big weekend, we look at what sides can realistically challenge the storm. The eels start slipping, but who's to blame, the players or the coach? And Dillaroo and Channel 9 expert Alana Ferguson joins us to celebrate women in league round. Hello and welcome to Inside the NRL. I'm Neve Owens. Awesome to have your company. I'm filling in for Zach Bailey today and delighted to be here alongside the SMH's Michael Chamis and former Premiership winner Jamie Soward. Hello, gents. Hey, Neve. Hey, welcome. Thank you very much. I've heard that you're both completely unruly. So is there any pointers I need off the top? Nah, well, Zach will be taking notes. So he's, I've got him here on, on speed. <laughs> yeah. so falling in halfway through the show, but uh, you'll be all right. Just, just don't listen to Seattle. But on a serious note, condolences to Zach Bailey, yes. uh, the passing of his grandfather and, and to the Bailey family. We're all thinking of you, Zach. So we'll see you back next week. Yeah, nicely said. All right, let's start in southeast Queensland, shall we? Because some good news for the Queenslanders in that they've come out of lockdown as of Sunday evening. Looking at what that impact that will have on the NRL moving forward, Chamas, tell us first about those level three restrictions and what that'll mean for the players and their families. Yeah, a little bit of freedom for the players and their families uh, as of yesterday. They're now able to leave the hotel and go to restaurants and cafes uh, for takeaway and they're able to take the kids to the park. The kids have been in lockdown for 14 days, so it's good for them to get out and get the players, sorry, get the families out and about for a little while. Hopefully that can extend to an easing of restrictions to, to the point where they are able to, to move freely in Queensland for those teams that probably will be in finals, I reckon. By the time finals roll, rolls around, the clubs are hoping to be in a position where the players are able to move around freely. So good news for the players, not so for those in Sydney still in lockdown, but for the players in Queensland, that's a good result. Does this mean we're going to see fans at the game soon or will they still be playing in front of empty stadiums? Well, there, there are restrictions in Queensland at 50% capacity at the moment. So that's the... That's the set stand right now from the Queensland Government. However, especially I know where you're heading with this conversation around a grand final, that's just in the short term. I think... Well, just people up there as well that might be planning to try and get out of the footy. Like, when will they find out the NRL that you might be able to have attend a game, buy tickets, all that kind of well, stuff? Well, I think for this weekend it's 50% capacity, right. unless that changes under the advice of the Queensland Health Department. So 50% for round 21. You've mentioned the grand final there already. What's your mail on that then, Chamus? Let's get that out of the way nice and yeah. early. Is New Zealand in the running? Oh, look, New Zealand is in the running. I, I, th I think the way it'll have to pan out for, the, for New Zealand to host the grand final would be that but there would be no option in Australia where you could have a crowd. And if that was the case, then you'd have to look at New Zealand because the NRL do not want to have a grand final without a crowd. It, it, it'll be a, a disaster of a spectacle f for the NRL. It may be the situation that the countries in that allow them to then look at New Zealand. However, the Wallabies played at Eden Park and they had to isolate for a certain period of time before they're, they're obviously... Well, that's where it goes. Do they have to so, go over a week earlier and then have the weekend off for quarantine? Well, they're all questions. I don't think... The NRL wants to make a decision on a grand final by the time the final series comes around. But even if we do have a position on a grand final, there's no guarantee that's going to happen anyway. They could be moving games like they did in Origin. Origin 1 moved... To, to Townsville, so that there will be clauses in a contract, regardless of whether they sign with SunCorp or Melbourne, that will allow them to get out at the eleventh hour if the, if the conditions around capacity 
change because of the, the health advice. The crystal ball is pretty tough to look into right at the moment because, as you say, things are changing so quickly. But that initial news, Sowie, that fam players and their families can actually go for a walk, go to the park, oh. get out of the hotel. How much of a boost <laughs> will that be for players heading into the final month of the season? Because, as Chamas mentioned, not the case in Sydney. You've got two young oh, girls. You know how so tough it jealous. Can be. Yeah, so <laughs> jealous right now. I think, look, it's, it's a reward for the, the mothers and the partners that have put up with so much for that quarantine for 14 days. Uh, it'll be probably played out a little bit differently. I think that you'll see the teams that aren't in finals contention probably a little bit looser and, and getting out a little bit more. But those teams that are, you know, a chance of making the eight, especially the top teams, they'll want to try and stay as focused as possible. But, you know, having your loved ones there is always a nice bonus. And, you know, now they can get out and about... Uh, we don't want to see them back in lockdown. I think that, you know, the not opening of the windows was excessive and, you know, being trapped in a, a house with two kids for us is, is tough at the moment. And we can still go for walks, let alone, you know, what those partners went through. So I think it's nice um, and, yeah, it's starting to get back to a little bit of normality. I loved seeing those pictures of mm. the players being reunited with their families. I got a little bit teary, but enough about me and my lockdown life. <laughs> uh, we're still awaiting final confirmation of grounds for round 22, Chammers. Is there a chance that we'll see some games taken back to country Queensland? Well, there's, there's a chance. So, I, I, From my understanding, this could be announced any minute now. The NRL are looking at the venues for this, for this round. So it'll be Brisbane, Su uh, Sunshine Coast, Gold Coast and Townsville. Also a potential there, I think, for a match in Redcliffe. The broadcasters, I think Channel 9, are looking at the moment if they can broadcast the Sunday afternoon game from Redcliffe. So uh, there are potentially five venues for this weekend. It'll be great to see a match in Redcliffe. Yeah, it would, and really exciting for those country Queensland locations as well. Let's talk about round 21 now, because we saw those top six sides go head-to-head. -head. We saw some cracking games. So I want to know what it teaches us heading into the finals. Looking first, Sowie, at Manly's clash with Melbourne. Have the Sea Eagles shown us almost a blueprint of how you can challenge the Storm this year? No, I don't know if it was much of a blueprint as much as it was a, a confidence and a lesson for the Manly Sea Eagles. Uh, watched that game and called it. And yeah, If you're a Manly fan, you haven't lost any confidence confidence in your side. They just went long cycles with the Melbourne Storm, which is what you're going to have to do, set for set. And at halftime, they only had 40% of ball. Jason Saab comes up with a massive play and they go in at eight all. And you're thinking, well, hold on a second here. Maybe Manly are going to get a fair share. But just on the edges is where the concern is for me for Manly. I think you had Schuster there get exposed by Jerome Hughes. And then on the other side, Oliver Cartu really found it hard. They're guys that need the ball in their hands. And Manly didn't really control it long enough to go down there and build pressure. So I think, if anything, it gave me more confidence in Manly that they are right in this championship race. Uh, and for the Melbourne Storm... They've got some some puzzles, you know, some pieces of the puzzle they need to work out because they won't be able to carry Grant and Pappenhausen on the bench, you know, come finals time. They need to kind of make a decision whether Grant comes on earlier and Nico Hines goes back to the bench, and then you start with Pappenhausen, which I think that's that'll be the way they go. You'll see Pappenhausen get that starting job the next couple of weeks. Nico Hines go back to the bench, and. That seems to be the way they're going to have to go to get Nelson Osova Solomon, Tua Kamakamitha, Felice Kafusi. They've got an abundance of talent, but it's about getting that right mix. It's so, a good problem to have, isn't it? It is. I, I, I want to know your thoughts on Melbourne. If you are the Storm, who do you not want to play in a grand final? I think we're all, we all think they're going to be there. Who's the team you least want to play? Is it Manly? Are they the Smokies or, or, or is it Penrith or Souths? Well, I think if you're going just off the weekend, I mean, Souths have sort of snuck up on everyone again because the whole 50-point thing and, yeah. Uh, yeah, shout out to Scott Bailey who's always um, pumping that up. So, um, But I, I think you don't want to see Manly. Yeah, Manly have Tom Trebojevic. They neutralised him well on the weekend, but good players find a way. And I feel like if they played each other in a month's time... 
you know, maybe Tom gets a little bit more involved. They get a little bit more. F- they they learnt more out of the lost memory than they would have did winning. I'm so I don't think they want to see Melbourne. I think they would have Penrith's measure at the moment, knowing that the scars of last year in the big game would come up that week leading into, and they know how to handle. If it was moved to New Zealand the last second, Melbourne Storm are built for this. So, uh, but South Sydney, I'm a little bit cautious of. I need to see them, you know, against the Melbourne Storm. Maybe we see it week one. There's some of the teams that won on the weekend. What about the Eels, Chamis? You wrote an article in the Fairfax Papers today about the situation at Parramatta. Talk us through what you see as the future for the club and indeed Brad Arthur's future as well in terms of what those expectations are around season 2021. Yeah, look, I want to start by saying that Parramatta, and by no means is this criticism of the club, they've done a fantastic job over the last few years to get where they are because they were a basket case. Let's, let's put it... Honestly, they were. And to get this, themselves in a situation now, we are discussing the potential sacking of a coach because they are not going from, a, you know, week two of the finals, is something that we would have laughed at a few years ago. They would have been happy just to do that. They're not just happy anymore. And Brad Arthur finds himself in a situation here. Where I believe that he probably needs, a, from my understanding of the situation, needs a preliminary final to save his job. Now, are they the new Penrith Panthers? In what way, Sally? Well, Anthony Griffin, got. they went to week two... Nathan Cleary's first four years, they went to week two of the finals, well, didn't get over the hump. They make the decision. It's almost, have they reached the ceiling under Brad Arthur? Do they need someone either more experienced? Wayne Bennett uh, is out on the market. Shane Flanagan, or do they need to go with a young guy and try and regenerate? Because realistically, you look at that squad, that is only for the next two years probably going to have a chance at winning the premiership before contracts. Well, and Because you're going to have to back end some guys. You're going to have to figure it all out. Well, they need to figure out, is that, is that roster going to win the comp? That, that's what I, I, I thought it, look, I think it's a solid 7.5 out of 10 across the board for that roster. It hasn't got the star power, though, that excites me to win a comp. I think you throw Tom Trebojevic into that team, they win a comp. Yeah, you throw Nathan Cleary into that team, they win a comp. Now you're doing hypotheticals. No, no, I'm just saying to you, that roster, I don't know if that roster is even good enough to win a comp. I, I think they're a superstar short, a guy that you turn to when the going gets tough in big games and say, come up with a play that wins us the game. I don't think Mitchell Moses and Clint Gutherson, with all due respect, are there as players. And, and there's not saying that they're the problem. I think they're a piece of the puzzle away from being a, a genuine premiership contender. Now, can Brad Arthur get that piece of the puzzle? Or are they going to turn to someone else to try and do that? Perhaps Brad Arthur is part of, that the club believes that he's part of the problem. I'm not too sure if that's the case. They need to find that out in the off-season. And if they believe that, they, that Brad is the problem, then the bigger problem is finding out who's the, who's the answer to fix that. Because I don't think Wayne Bennett, he's making it clear to everyone he's returning to Brisbane next year and he's going to live in Brisbane. Trent Robinson, Nick Politis will have to be... Yeah, it, yeah. It, it, he's not leaving Nick Politis and the Roosters, let's be honest. And the other one is Craig Bellamy, who's re-signed with the Storm into, in some capacity until 2026. So where do they go then to get the success they are after if Brad Arthur's not the man, Sally? I, I, I don't know. Yeah, they've got some tough decisions. There's a lot of clubs that have some tough decisions to make in the off-season and it's going to be... Dict- I look at the ladder right now and how Parramatta are playing and then I look at the Roosters and I'm like, the Roosters are only two points yeah. behind them and they've had you know, a three-quarters of... You know, a quarter of their salary cap done. So, yeah, it's uh, hard to watch if you're an Eels fan at the moment. They've slipped right away. What do you see as the key issues then? Do you agree with Chamis that it could be a, an issue of cattle? It, it could be. It could be an issue of... Sometimes you, as, as coaches, you know, 
I'm, I'm assuming, as players, you reach a ceiling in your career. That's why you end up getting told to retire or you retire, which is what happened in my case. And the same thing with coaches. You know, I think back to Anthony Griffin at the Penrith Panthers. The team finished fourth and he was sacked. Yeah. Now, you're going to say that was different circumstances and all that kind of stuff, but they had reached their ceiling under... Well, under I'm board. going to make it more personal for you. I'm going to take it back to Nathan Brown Dragons because they were the team regarded as the chokers and you hated that tag for so long they got so close and probably closer than the eels are getting they made prelims uh, tigers there they missed out so they got close for so long and nathan brown took them to a certain point then wayne bennett came in and you stayed on and you saw the effect how much did things change and was it just as as simple as as a coaching rejig of of philosophies or was it because of the personnel he brought in um i think it was coaching yeah, I mean, I wasn't... You have a look at my season in 08, please. I had no idea what I was doing yeah. um, consistently. But 09, you know, the, the training, the, the different ideas, you know, I think stimulating the brain. Sometimes you get into that mould as a player where you know what the next day is going to bring. You know that Monday's review and Tuesday. Mm. And you feel like the Parramatta through the year have gone bang, out of the gates, and then they've just slowly plateaued. Origins probably had a little bit to do with that as well, which is why we're waiting to see how Penrith come out of that with their stars. So... Yeah, it's, there's some big decisions to make in the off-season. An interesting time for a number of clubs who were there fighting for a spot in the top eight and indeed the top four like the Eels. All right, well, round 22 is Women in League Round, a chance for us all to celebrate the awesome contribution that female players, coaches, commentators, mums, the people who keep Community Rugby League running as well, make to our great game. We've got the great pleasure of being joined by Channel 9 expert, former Gillaroo, former Rugby Sevens player, Alana Ferguson. Alana, hello. Welcome to Inside the NRL. Hey, Neve. Thanks so much for having me. Great to see you, mate. We're having that discussion there about the Parramatta Eels and indeed those top six clashes from the weekend. You were covering that Rabbitohs-Eels game on Friday night. What do you see as the key issues that are facing the Eels right now? Well, I just think the Eels have probably reached their limit. They've got a really hard run in and they're not able to beat or they haven't proved that they've been able to beat, um, you know, some of those tougher sides. I think their game... I heard Sowie mention it briefly just before um, it was cutting out a little bit, but that then they're just they're not taking their game to another level. Whether that is the cattle that they've got, whether that is the coaching, they did really well, and they and they've consistently done this over the last couple of years to beat any team that they should necessarily like blow them um, on the ladder as such. They did do a really good job at, at beating the Storm earlier on the year, but for what I see with the Eels and this isn't the first year that we've been talking about it, is how they actually play and respond under pressure. And that's in those big games against the teams that they're going to come up against um, in their run into the finals in the last couple of games up against up against South Sydney. The same thing happened again. I just don't think they're handling that pressure very well in the way that they're responding to it, playing. They haven't been able to take it to the next level. And I don't see anything, any part of their game being able to change, whether it be in the last sort of three or four rounds um, or come finals time. Alana, you've become the queen of the touchscreen for Channel 9. Enjoying your work uh, for nine at the moment. From what you've seen, though, in terms of genuine title contenders, we've got the Storm, mm-hmm. and who else is yep. in that race? Are there, how many of the teams that are in that top six do you think can win a title? Oh, I think top four. I reckon, well, the other two for me, other than Storm and Penrith, is definitely Manly. They're through the roof, but for them, they need everyone on the park. Um, but then the other one, South, and I just think South really need to be tested and it's a good time in the season to do that. They've also got 
the master leading them around. So they don't necessarily give all their, their secrets away at once. But the biggest thing for South isn't scoring points. It's actually being able to stop them. And I think that's where Melbourne and Penrith are miles ahead of what any other team's been able to do consistently this season is just have that strong defence. And it's not, and it's not just, it's not line defence. It's not stopping teams making metres coming out of their own end. It's, it's their entire defensive game plan. Penrith are doing it brilliantly, which I, which Storm we know always have, but just being able to, and with the new rules, manipulate how they slow those play the balls down, how they're able to get still at, for a lot of it, three people in the tackle, but get that third person out and them standing up so that they're abiding by the rules. But they're just, they're clever. Uh, Penrith and Melbourne are easily the two teams that are doing that at best. But then I think South is still yet to be proved at times and Manly as well. So, But they're definitely in the race. And either four of those teams, attacking-wise, could win the competition. It'll just come down to defence for me. Alani, you spoke about the Penrith Panthers. What have you made of the Stars' Jerome Luai coming back from origin? Usually it's a bit of a flat period. They conceded 37 points against the Melbourne Storm, bounced back on the weekend. What have you made of his form? Yeah, look, I think he's just, he's a young kid trying to find his feet a little bit in those big games. I, I can't speak in terms of playing um, Origin at that level for, for three series, you know, and coming back into an NRL competition. That's something that I've never had the privilege of being able to do. But you can see how tough it is consistently on those players week in, week out. And I think he is still building. He obviously gets a lot of confidence from players around him. But I think it's it's not something that worries me in terms of maybe Jerome not playing his best football since Origin because it's a huge learning curve that he had to go through at some point. So the fact that he's able to build on his performances without Nath there taking some of that pressure off him and he has to stand up in that number number seven jersey. I, th- I think it's, it's a great time for him to just find his feet. They're not getting plastered off the park. There's no worries that, well, for me anyway, that, um, you know, they're going down a steep hill or anything. They're just sort of getting through this tricky period. He hasn't been horrendous whatsoever. He's still a brilliant football player and he showed that um, plenty of times throughout the last couple of games since Origin. But... Yeah, I think, it's a, I think it's actually a positive for him and for the Penrith Panthers. They'll certainly be hoping to see him continue to build all the way through to that first weekend in October. After that first weekend in October, the NRLW will kick off, Alana, a standalone competition this year, an expanded competition this year. How excited are you about the prospect of that? Oh, I'm always excited about women's footy, don't get me wrong. Um, yeah, no, it's great. I think the standalone thing's a little bit different. It was something that took me a while to get my head around. But the fact that the women are able... Because for me, the way that I see it is that women's footy should be the same as the men's. It should be a longer season, played alongside them, getting the same audiences and crowds at the games. But a huge positive is that the women are still going to be playing this. We know um, as a fact now that people are turning their TVs on to watch women's footy. So it's enormous. I love the extension. Um, a little bit of a longer competition and a couple new teams. I think that's great. And, yeah, we're definitely heading in the right direction. But in terms of being excited to watch these women go out there and play footy, I'm 11 out of 10. <laughs> Alana, what does it look like in five years' time, the NRLW? Are we on the right trajectory at the moment? Right trajectory, absolutely. We're making um, steps every year to progress the game. And, look, f- five years ago... I was still playing footy and we weren't playing NRLW. So I think it's enormous where we are now. I think these little expansions are really good. 
Um, but there is absolutely a long way to go. That just comes with, you know, more airtime. I mean, I've, I've been watching, as everyone else has, the Olympics. And I was right into the rugby sevens and I was watching my two-year-old daughter. We flicked from watching the sevens um, and, and chucked the, the NRL on. And she said to me, Mum, I don't want to watch the boys. I want to watch the girls play footy. So, you know, it, it was it's little moments like that where, I mean, she's two and she's already saying that. So the expansion of women's rugby league is going to come with exposure and that just comes in little increments. But the fact that we are looking at getting new teams and having longer competitions, ideally I, I would love for it to be as long as the men's competition, but we've got to work towards that and we, we are doing it. Um, but, yeah, definitely heading in the right direction. Alana, coaches in the NRL, female coaches, the San Antonio Spurs NBA team have Becky Hammond under the great Greg Popovich. How long before we see an NRL team take on a, a woman as an assistant coach or even a head coach? I'd love to see it, Sowie. Um, I just think any sport needs to have the best brains in the game. So I don't think that clubs would understand or know what's going through anyone's head or how they see the game unless they get them in, involved in those environments already. So the sooner that more women are sort of roped into those, and it doesn't have to be assistant or coaching roles straight away, but just roped into those community out there on the field. You know, you could be standing alongside Freddie Fittler at, at Blues training and him say, hey, what are you seeing out there? Just for new ideas. Like it's, it's going to be little steps, um, but there's absolutely no reason to me why women shouldn't be and couldn't be and won't be um, in some of those roles, hopefully in the future, really soon. Alana, round 22 is women in league round in the NRL. Some people argue that it's when we don't need women in league round anymore. That will show in its own right that women really are accepted as an essential part of rugby league. Where do you stand on that argument? Um, I can see both sides of the argument. I think where women in league ground at the moment, it, it's great. I mean, I don't know how many years ago it was, five years ago even, ten years ago, we were looking and thanking the mothers that drove the players to training and now have a look at where we are. We're celebrating the mums and the, women's that, and the women that are playing, the referees, talking about getting coaches um, in there. So I think it's incredible to see how it's involved and ideally yes we don't celebrate for me a women in league round because it is just normal but realistically where we are at the moment it isn't we can claim that we want it to be but it isn't at the moment so the fact that we just keep reminding people and showing great stories of, of all of it of the wives of the mums um, of the girls growing up playing and and the women playing now I think it's great but yeah similar to the women's game I hope we do just get to that point um, sooner rather than later that we don't have to do it. But I think it's, it is still an, an incredible initiative and we get to see some great stories um, throughout this week as well. We look forward to seeing you telling some more of those stories this weekend. <laughs> we love your analysis of the game. Enjoy the footy, enjoy Women in League Round. Thank you for joining us on Inside the NRL. Thanks, guys. Have a good one. All right, it is time on Inside the NRL to have a look at the Casualty Award now brought to you by Chemist Warehouse. And the big news, Reid Marnie will play no further part in the season with his shoulder injury requiring immediate surgery. There is relief at the Knights. Bradman Best has been cleared of serious injury, but teammate Lockie Fitzgibbon's own shoulder issue will be monitored ahead of the clash with the Sharkies. Seagulls prop Taniela Paseca is set for time on the sidelines. He's been spotted walking around in a moon boot and scans are expected to confirm a syndesmosis injury. Dragons youngster Cody Ramsey will need to pass concussion protocols after failing an HIA 
day on Friday night. He'll also need dental surgery in coming weeks after snapping two teeth in that collision with teammate Andrew McCulloch. Some friendly fire there, gents, as we have a look at those round 21 injuries. And indeed, more broadly, Reid Marnie, really feel for him. He has been such a gun for the Eels this season, taking his game to another level. It is a similar shoulder injury to that which Nathan Cleary is hoping to come back from. Will what has happened with Reid Marnie send some further caution into the Penrith Panthers camp? Oh, I think the, the Panthers are ready being cautious. From my understanding, he was ready to play last week. He was doing some contact work at training uh, and he was ready to come back. They decided against it. Look, I, I think Nathan Cleary will play this weekend. I Look, I'm not putting my house on it. From my understanding, though, he's firm in a play. You've got three houses. You can <laughs> afford to put one, on put one of them on it. Uh, uh, I, I, think he's, I, think he's, I think he'll play. Firstly, on Reid Marnie, that's devastating. Um, those scenes, watching players and, and having gone through it and, and know the sacrifices and everything, especially when you're in a, a good team that's going to be playing finals, um, that's really devastating and hard to watch. Uh, but on to Nathan Cleary. I don't see why the Penrith Panthers would rush him back. I said a couple of weeks ago, West Tigers would be the one, and then you play Parramatta the last round. You've sort of got a bit of time under your belt. But I don't see why they would have to rush him back, firstly because they play the Dragons this week. <laughs> but again, against South Sydney, you know that you don't think Wayne Bennett is going to target. He, is, he might be ready to go, but I, I don't see the rush right now. They've, they're, they're no risk of losing your second or third. There's no home ground advantage they have to play for. They're, you don't need to give South Sydney a chance, and especially guys like Sewer, Murray, Burgess, just... There's no need. They're, I don't think they're rushing because he could have played, as I said, last week. I, don't, I get your argument and I tend to agree with it. The other argument, though, I'll ask you is if he comes back now and he's no good, isn't it better that we know that, that Penrith know that he is no good right now rather than having to go on the run and rejig their plans for the finals then and there? They've rejigged it throughout Origin. They've rejigged it, it on the weekend. It hasn't really worked, though, Sal. They beat the Roosters on the weekend. Yeah, I understand that. But, but the period before that, though, without Nathan... They haven't been convincing in attack. Wouldn't you rather know if he's no good? Wouldn't you rather know now? No. Are you happy to just wait? Save it up. If you've only got one chance at it, and they do only have one chance at it because they need redemption from last year, you need to make sure that all your eggs are in the basket at the end of the year. Because if he comes out and you want to see the attack, you know the attack. You've been developing the attack for, for two the, years. The way the injury is, Sal, it's, it's, we saw with Reid Marnie, it's not a, it's not a issue of how much you can handle. It's the split moment and the situation that you put your shoulder in is going to determine whether you get injured and dislocate that or not. He might not get that in that position at, at all throughout the rest of the year. However, it could happen in the first minute of the first game. I don't, it's not a matter of the, the more games he plays, yes, it's more likely. They have Matt Burton. Other teams don't. Are they, winning a, are they winning a comp without Nathan Cleary? No, they're not. No. Okay. So they need to make sure, yes, your point is right, but they need to make sure. Can we get that on tape? <laughs> <laughs> Let's move on. I, I, wanna, I actually agree with you in I a while. I that as my ringtone. That's all right. <laughs> on a loop, just yes. round and round. <laughs> yes. Speaking of the position that Nathan Cleary plays, and you talked about the attack and the importance of his input into that Panthers attack, does he need a couple of games to blow out the cobwebs pre-finals when it's all on the line? No. They've got Hayden Knowles, who's one of the best in the business in getting players right and ready. They've been together in origin. I, I just thought you see it as a, a six-week or five-week, because if you win week one, you'll get a week off five weeks to, to be able to win a competition. That's The Penrith Panthers aren't judged on where they finish throughout the year or how, if they beat South Sydney and Nathan Cleary comes back and all this stuff. 
they're judged on if they can beat the Melbourne Storm or, or make the grand final and win their grand final because last year they had no injuries. It went perfectly. They didn't get the job done. This year they've had a little bit of a rocky road. You know, we've seen Jerome Luai. I probably disagree with Alana a little bit. I don't think Jerome Luai is quite the same player as he was going into Origin. Maybe that's because Nathan's not there, but there's a lot of pressure on to get this right for the Penrith Panthers. And if you have to wait with your best player to come back and get one shot at this, then you wait. Sowie, can I ask you, still on Penrith, Api Korosau looks like he's going to miss a week. He's going to the judiciary. Oh, Did you see the incident? And that's embarrassing. I, he's facing it. Look, let's put all the facts out, though. If he was, because he's got priors, he would have got a, a fine if he hadn't got priors. But he's got, can he's, we have a look at the, this is what he's getting suspended for, that. Pushing Jared Maria Hargraves over the weekend for. That wasn't it. He's on top. I thought it was, when I first looked at it, I thought it was um, Young May or Isaac Targo underneath for the old judo, judo, uh, judo, judo hip throw. And then all of a sudden, Appy's coming, please. I, I, the NRL will argue if he hasn't got prize, then he would be okay. But I don't think it's a charge at all. So did Angus Crichton get fined at the end there for no, the hip toss? No. Seriously, that's embarrassing. We've gone from the crackdown. You know what? It's, it's got my goat because we've gone from the crackdown where blokes are getting sent off head highs. Right? Then we've gone back down. We've backed away from it because we want to see the best players on the field, which I love. We've found a medium. Now a bloke's going to miss a game for that. Seriously. Just, uh, we just hooked him into that Seriously. one. Seriously. I'm, I'm pretty sure you two just agreed twice in the same segment, which what is What are we getting to, though? <laughs> what is that? <laughs> How embarrassing. Your rap sheet's got that on it. Right now. Right now for hit or miss. All right, it was a big night for local junior Adam Reynolds on Friday night. He broke Eric Sims Rabideau's point scoring record. So the statement is, the first hit or miss question, gents, is Adam Reynolds Rabideau's point scoring record will never be broken. Uh, hit. Well, I think Adam Reynolds has go down one of the greatest goal kickers slash playmakers you know, that South Sydney have ever had. And you think about that 2014 premiership, but the way that he's been able to kick in clutch moments, you know, well, I love watching him play. Uh, he's going to be sorely missed next year. I know they think they've got a succession plan and Milford and Walker and all that kind of stuff, but to, you know, having that automatic, you know, when you score in the corner and it's, it's six points, is uh, going to be missed and costly. So, no, I don't think anyone will break it. Uh, I'm going to say miss. I think someone will break it. Who? Oh, no, it might not be in our <laughs> lifetime. What? Oh, do you want me to name the three-year-old kid who's going to break it? Well, is Ollie any good? <laughs> he's five. He's coming for it. Yeah. Listen, I, I, it'll be broken. I, I don't think... The, look, it's been a long, long time for someone at South Sydney to break that record, 40-odd years. But records will all be broken. Yeah, but it's not... that. That's 18... What's he, 1,860-something points? Like, mine will be broken at the Dragons. You'll Zach get... Lomax will finish that probably next year. But I'm saying 1,800, that's, that's 200 points a year, 220 points a year. Do you know how hard that is to get? Oh, I'm not saying it's easier, but I, I just feel like we're not talking... I'm not saying it's going to be broken by someone in the team right now. It'll get broken one day. And when it does, if we're both still alive... We won't be here when it does. <laughs> if we are both still alive... Trust me, what are you we gonna, won't what are be we here and I'll, and I'll find you. No, I don't know. <laughs> you will find me. Every cent you want it. I'm just happy to see that you're both back to your disagreeable yeah. best. So let's head on to the next question, which is, it's been nearly two years since they hosted their last NRL game. So with that in mind, New Zealand deserves to host the 2021 NRL Grand Final. That's a hit. They deserve it. I just don't think it's first preference, though. If it goes to New Zealand, I'm not going to be sitting here saying, what a disgrace that we're taking the game to New Zealand. I'd I'd love to see it. The only thing that would come into play is the time zone difference, and you can't have a game kicking off at at 10pm in 
New Zealand to satisfy an Australian audience. So perhaps we'll have a day grand final if it goes to New Zealand. I'd love that, Sarah, wouldn't Ooh. you? I feel like there's some serious fence sitting going on. Yeah, yeah I'm probably the same as, as the mate. <laughs> right, you're going to be pulling <laughs> out as I was well. going to say, I think that, you know, I'd love to see him host every game for a season over there. I think that would be a reward. But, yeah, they, uh, they haven't seen any rugby league for a while now, so... Um, I, I'm, I've got it set on Queensland. I just think Suncorp Stadium, you know, we've seen Wouldn't, the Origin games played there. If I said to you you can get 25,000 at Suncorp or 55,000 at Eden Park, where would you rather play the grand final? Well, Eden Park. Are they going to turn out, though? It's a game Aussies might actually win at Eden Park. Yeah. We're not used oh, to that. Okay. It'll be epic. Oh. <laughs> Look, I, I think... I think it's something they have to consider. I would love it's to see New Zealand priority. get more games, yeah, but it but won't be first priority. I no, mean. it won't. It, it definitely won't be first priority, though you've got to have to consider it if there are capacity restrictions. Well, you've mentioned Queensland, so let's head north then. The Jason Talmalolo Edge experiment will last the season. Chamis. Chamis. <laughs> you, so he wants to see what I say, <laughs> and then he'll copy I'm me. I'm going to say hit, because we've seen that Todd Payton can be quite stubborn with what he did. He sat there in round one and said Jason Talmalolo's minutes are going to be cut, and he cut Jason Talmalolo's minutes. He's now moved into the edge. I think you'll see him out for the rest of the year. Is it the right thing? I'll let Sowie decide that. He's the expert, as he reminds me all the time. But I think he's shown Todd Payton that when he says something, he's going to stick with it. Miss, oh, I think they should move Jason Salmalolo into the front row. I think the big, bulky 13 has gone from the game. They need distributors in the middle. I could see the number nine there, Reese Robson, playing at 13 and pairing Jason Salmalolo with Jordan McLean in that middle third up front. Yeah, that's where they lack the, the punch at the moment. And they shouldn't be doing that because they've got rep forwards. So, you know, Jason Tamalolo with the old rules was unstoppable because the game, you got a bit of a chance to get... Because it's so fast now, they're still working out how to manage his minutes and he's going to have to move into the front row if he wants longevity and, and getting the best out of him because it's not working at 13. Well, speaking of folks who like to be in the thick of it, Will Chambers was in the thick of it again on the weekend, this time with Kane Evans. Not everyone was happy. Even his coach didn't sound that happy afterwards from a Sharky's perspective. So the statement is, Will Chambers has sledged himself out of a new deal at the Sharks. Hit or miss? I'm going to say hit. I think, uh, I think people have taken notice. Whether it's right or wrong or your views on sledging, I'm not going to get into that. But I, I, from my understanding, people at Cronulla and... Uh, Craig Fitzgibbon have taken notice of this and there's, there's questions being asked or whether he's the kind of guy they want there. Now, I've heard the opposite in the, in the few weeks prior that he's great for the Sharks in, since the arriving. He's set standards for the club and he's shown leadership there, but I think there are now question marks on Will Chambers. When he first arrived, the talk was that he had brought so much of that professionalism that the Storm are renowned for to the Sharks. Yeah. It was well, a very positive early response. And I th we, we were only... Will Chambers only a few weeks back into the game. We did the NRL player poll, and he was number one for the best sledger in the game after only being back a few weeks. Like, he is a renowned sledger. difference is, at the Storm, you talk the talk, you could walk the walk. At this stage, at the Sharks, he can't back it up with the team they've got there. I don't think he has. I think there'll be an opportunity there for Will to sit down with Craig Fitzgibbon. They've got a lot of strong leaders coming to the club next year. Cam McKinnis, Dale Finucane, you know, uh, Nico Hines coming from that Melbourne system. I think there might be an opportunity to sit down and go, look, Will, you, know, you can still play at this level, but we're just going to need you to pull it back a little bit. And I've played against Will and heard him sledge and played with him. And I asked him, I said, why do you sledge so much? He goes, Craig hates it because it just takes me away from my game. And when he's on, he's still one of the best defensive centres in the game. But he's just lost that balance a little bit on the weekend and you know, went away from it, but you know, stupidly so did Kane Evans. So anyway, I think he'll be at the Sharks next year, just on a bargain buy. 
let's have a look at the ladder as it stands right now because mathematically seven teams can still make the final couple of spots there in the eight. The statement is the race for the final two spots in the eight is down to three teams, hit or miss. Uh, oh, I don't want to say it. I think oh, I hope the Dragons can do a miracle, but it might be. Yeah, it's down to. It might even be down to two. Like the Newcastle Knights have got a great run home. The terrible for and against. Uh, the Titans got a couple of hard games. Raiders, not really sure what they look like. So it might be down to to the Knights. The Sharks. I did the power rankings today. I can't trust the Sharks. Like they, they they find a way to win games that they shouldn't win, and games that they should win they lose. Like on the weekend. To be fair, the Titans and the Knights have both been culpable of that at different times throughout oh, the year. Titans as well. are the most immature side in the competition. That's why they find themselves in that position. They should be way up. In you know, we had them coming sixth or seventh. Mm. They haven't looked like a team that was going to play finals yeah. footy till right to the end. Is it, is it still considered the race though, Sally? If there's only two left, they're going to make it. Just. Putting it out there. It's not a race between two, is it? Can we have a look at that ladder again? Yeah. <laughs> hit or miss? Uh, I'm going to say hit. I think 3 2. I don't think anyone outside those three can make it. Uh, dragons, your set, your dragons, gone. Said it a few weeks ago. They're going backwards at a rate of knots. Sharks don't do it for me. They're, they don't Sharks like. have got a really good draw. Yeah, I, they don't. Uh, well, they got four games that they could win. Yeah. And, yeah. Quite they're, they're not playing like a team that cares anymore. It just doesn't. Wow. It's not. It's not flowing for me for the Sharks. It doesn't seem like they're all invested. Everyone's on different, different wavelengths. You know, if people's futures are in different places, the co- it, it just doesn't, doesn't look right on the field. So was it hit or miss? I said hit. OK. Champ or chump time. And, Sowie, it is your week. Let's start with champ. Who's your champ of the week? Uh, Tyler May is uh, my champ of the week. Uh, he making his debut and, and Tyrone handing it out. Uh, I think it's a, a proud moment when you get your debut jersey and to be able to receive it off your brother and um, yeah, get an opportunity. I think it's great. It was a really special moment, wasn't it? And especially in times of lockdown, those family ties and that ability to hand over the journey, to say some wo- the jersey, to say some words, to share that moment is pretty special. Yeah, and being able to see these moments, you know, when I made my debut, I think Ricky Stewart just said, don't tell anyone. You know, that was, <laughs> now we're seeing it all on social media, the secret phone calls and everything like that. So um, it's great that we're able to share in those moments. And the fans love it too because they get to go behind the scenes and feel like they're a part of it. If you're a Penrith Panthers fan, you get to see another you know, young player that's a gun come off the, constru- uh, you know, the belt out there. So, yeah, it's good. That was a nice moment. What about your chump of the week? Uh, look, I love King Gutho, but... The chump of the week is the haircut on uh, some of the haircuts getting around. I mean, here he is right here. I actually like that um, because I just thought it, it might have been a punishment for the way that he spoke to one of his teammates, Tom Opacek, a couple of weeks ago. But, yeah, it, it's probably just not gone on. I don't know what Brad Arthur would have said with the rat's tail there. There's some rank haircuts going on in lockdown. <laughs> was, it, was it gone lockdown a couple haircuts. of days later? It, 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 was, gone. it was gone. It was. I think that was a bit of a G up, but... He's my chump of the week at this moment. Hey, we all need haircuts. Yeah, I was going to ask, how are you two feeling right now? Not good. I'm a fade every nine or ten days. I need a fade. Nine or ten? Maybe eight. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm growing mine out. Uh, <laughs> seriously. <laughs> what, your hair or your beard? Everything. I can't even... This is combed down. This is tucked in. <laughs> 
that's about where we'll leave inside <laughs> the NRL today. On that very happy note, don't forget though, we do have NRL teams tomorrow night at 3.55pm. We kick off the teams drop at 4 o'clock. Robbie Farah, Brett Kamali will both be there to step you through all the impl implications for round 22, so make sure you join us for that. Sowie, Chamas, thanks for letting me join in the fun today. Thanks, you two are actually very us. well behaved. Well done. Everything Zach says about Zach you Zach and said you were very good. Oh yeah, yeah. But he'll be back next week. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Lovely to see you both. Good to see you as well. Thank you so much for joining us. Stay safe and enjoy the footy this weekend. See you soon. When you're watching the game, celebrate every player. When you dream of becoming the first, make sure you're not the last. When they look at you, be the person they can look up to. When you're part of the game, you're shaping the future. We need to lead the charge towards a level playing field. However big or small, you can play your part because this game can't be for all unless we're all in it together. Harvey Norman Women in League Round. Play your part.